Money FM 89.3, the best of the breakfast huddle. The bigger picture, only on Money FM 89.3. Money of M89.3. Good morning. It's the Breakfast Huddle. I'm Elliot Danker. It is time now for The Bigger Picture with Willie King. And we've got quite a bit to get through, Willie. Mm. But very broadly, it's all on the back of fears. Uh, fears over the recent hawkish remarks that we've been hearing. <laughs> the hawks are circling. Tell us more. Yeah, I mean, investors are still on edge after recent hawkish remarks from the Federal Reserve and other central banks as well. I mean, if you see from last week how Paul has raised rates by 0.5%. And from there on, you know, stocks fell for a fourth consecutive trading session from last night. And this was really weighed down by mounting recession fears. So have here with me this morning, I'd like to invite Shane Oliver, Head of Investment Strategy and Chief Economist of AMP Capital to share with us more about the markets. Good morning, Shane. Good morning, Willie. Hope you well. Yeah. Happy Christmas, I hope, <laughs> coming towards the end. <laughs> yeah, thank you, Chris. Yeah. So I'd just like to just get your views here. I mean, from last week, right, Paul has hiked rates by 0.5%. You know, how long more or how high do you think interest rates can actually go from here? Well, to be honest with you, I think we're getting pretty close to the top. But central banks still want to sound hawkish because inflation is still too high for comfort. Mm. Uh, particularly in Europe, of course. Europe is behind the curve a little bit on this. The, the ECB started raising interest rates after, long after the Fed did. And so they've got further to go. And so their hawkishness is understandable. I guess what was a surprise was the degree of hawkishness coming out of the Fed because we have seen some better inflation numbers out of the US lately. The last two months have seen much lower numbers than expected, and yet the Fed was still hawkish. But I think despite that hawkishness, we are getting close to the top in the US, and that will ultimately set direction. And my view is that the Fed will probably stop stop hiking rates after March. And then despite what they're saying, I wouldn't mind betting that they start cutting rates towards the Mm. end of 2023. But obviously, markets are still left with those hawkish comments at the end last week. Uh, And also, uh, Fed officials are still sounding hawkish into this week. So that's 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 the reality. That's that's what's driving markets at present. Yeah. So, I mean... I was just thinking about this as well, Shane. You know, on one hand, you know, we have the Fed trying to actually push down inflation. And on the other hand as well, you know, we are also seeing a very tight labor market here. And I'm just thinking, you know, what the Fed is doing, do you think it will actually push the economy into some sort of a stagflation environment here? Well, that's certainly the risk. The Fed is determined to get inflation back down. It's the big problem. The barrier to doing that at present has been the tight labor market. We do have a very tight labour market in the US and several countries around the world, very low unemployment, very high levels of job openings, and the Fed wants to see some of that tightness taken out. And obviously, in the process of doing that, they do risk knocking the US economy into recession. And then if you've still got an environment of high inflation, because inflation often lags the economic cycle, mm-hmm. uh, yes, it would be seen as stagflation. I think ultimately, though, just as we're now starting to see, you know, you could argue growth peaked about a year ago in the US, mm. and now we're seeing inflation peak. Inflation will be coming down, but if we do tip into recession, inflation will still be at a high level. And that, of course, is, uh, would not be a good combination for investors. But, so it depends partly on whether investors can look through that or not. I think they probably can, but they would need to see evidence that the Fed is getting less hawkish 
and at the moment we're still not seeing that evidence. Yeah, I'm moving on to you know going down into the corporate into stocks. I mean, we see from the sell off. I think the tech names from last night one of the biggest drags on the markets. You know, can you just share with us more? Do you think from here, tech companies? Do you think that there's actually a chance of recovery from where they were? You know, before this year. Look, I'd be a little bit wary because uh, I mean the base, but at present they're under pressure again because of the ongoing concerns about uh, higher interest rates. Uh, and bond yields remaining high, and that, of course, uh, keeps tech stocks under pressure because they're seen as long duration in terms of their earnings mm. taking a long time to pay off. Um, and, of course, you've seen the cryptocurrencies come under pressure yeah. at the same time as well. So that space, tech and crypto, they were key beneficiaries of the easy money, low interest rate pandemic period, and now, of course, uh, they're paying the price for the ending of the pandemic or at least it becoming endemic and, of course, the higher interest rate environment we're in. And so there's the pressure. I mean, the question is, even if the Fed says, well, we're going to peak interest rates, I don't know how much that would support the cryptos and the the tech stocks. Mm. You know, we did see that relief rally going from October into a couple of weeks ago. Yeah, good rally on Wall Street. Yeah. But <laughs> even then, the tech stocks didn't exactly shoot the lights out. Some of the key tech stocks you know, didn't technically didn't do that well. And so you can sort of question whether sentiment towards that part of the market is so dead at present and so broken that it's going to take a while for it to recover. It's going to take more than the Fed stopping interest rate hikes or lower bond deals to get tech to actually recover. That There's something more going on which is more structural and signaling a structural underperformance by that sector, um, not, not just a cyclical one. Mm, yeah, and as well for tech stocks, I mean, you're looking also at the um, headcount freezes and the headcount cuts as well. So that could actually land on to some of these not so positive sentiments in that tech space. Moving on from the US markets, let's bring our focus back here in Asia. You know, we were talking about the recent China's COVID easing policy. In this case here, you know, Shane, you know, could you just share with us more about, you know, what are your views here on China's COVID policy? Well, it's very messy, yeah. <laughs> Indeed. Uh, if you take the previous zero COVID countries, let's say, for example, Singapore and Australia, mm. both of those countries said, you know, we're going to suppress COVID as much as we can until we're confident that the population is sufficiently vaccinated and there's treatments as backup, the antivirals, and then we will reopen, which is effectively what they did. And, of course, there was some hiccups along the way, you know, Early this year, Australia was reopening and we had the Omicron wave. Singapore had the same and it's been the same story ever since. We're going through a bit of a wave at present. Singapore had one just a couple of months ago. And so you go through these periods on the way to hopefully Omicron, or sorry, COVID becoming, becoming endemic. You learn to live with it. China has to go through all of that. But there is a question mark as to whether they have sufficiently vaccinated their population, particularly older people. Mm. And so that is the big uncertainty here. I think the markets, to some degree, have celebrated the news of a move towards reopening, ditching the zero COVID policy. But there is that concern that we go through a phase where we get a wave of cases, much like Singapore and Australia did, but there's um, more deaths uh, following from that because the medical system hasn't been adequately prepared, perhaps, and not enough older people have been vaccinated. So that, that's where the big uncertainty is here. I tend to think in six months' time, it will look a lot better, mm. that China will have gone through that rough patch. You will have had the hit to the economy from that initial reopening and the surge in cases and unfortunately some surge in deaths 
and, and then you will start to pull out the other side, uh, much like Singapore and Australia have, and they'll, they'll learn to live with it like we have. But you've just got that rough patch to get through, um, and that le- could lead to more hits for the Chinese economy, more volatility in their share markets, and obviously a flow on to the Asian region as it, as it goes through that messy reopening. Mm. I mean, just this is something which I've been thinking about, Shane. You know, on one hand, you have in the US where the US is actually trying to sort of slow down the inflation or rather slow down the economic growth from that tight labor market. But on the other hand, you know, with China opening up, do you think China's opening up of their economy could actually spoil the plans of the US? That's, yeah, that's, well, two scenarios here. One is China reopens, which then leads to an increase in global demand and uh, another spike in inflation. Mm. Um, because China reopens, it unleashes demand in China, causing a pickup in um, inflation in China, and that flows on to the rest of the world. Whereas this year, China has actually been a, a force below inflation. You look at the Chinese PPI, the CPI, it's been falling. Mm-hmm. The PPI, producer price inflation, has actually been negative. So the worry is that when they reopen, it actually adds another inflationary force on. I mean, the countervailing yeah. argument to that, and this is the one I tend to accept, is that China's reopening will actually be good because it will lead to a more sustained supply of goods uh, globally, mm-hmm. which will put downwards pressure on inflation. So I, I tend to lean to that uh, more optimistic view, maybe mm. I'm a born optimist <laughs> or something, but I tend to lean to more of that view rather than China having excessive inflation. Because don't forget, the inflation we've been seeing in the West was also underpinned by that surge in money supply growth that occurred a while ago um, through 2021, and that's not really a factor in China now. Their money supply growth is a lot more moderate. So therefore, I'd be less worried about an inflationary takeoff in China. It'll pick up, but I don't think it's going to be as big a problem as it has been in the West. Mm-hmm. Yep. So I just have one last part before I let you off, Shane. Let's talk a bit about all you know, all actually rose, you know, from yesterday, and this was really driven by the easing policy in China. You know, do you think that prices right now today are they are sustainable? My feeling is probably not. If something happens, you know, with the war in Ukraine, which further threatens oil supplies globally, or something happens in the Middle East, then yes, oil prices will go higher. But in the absence of those supply shocks. I think the weakness in demand globally as global growth slows down will actually put downwards pressure on the oil price. Mm. And the rally we've seen in the last few days, last week, has been because the oil price got very oversold when it fell below $70 a barrel. And that's on the West Texas Intermediate, the US uh, gauge for oil. So I, I think what you're seeing here is a bit of an oversold rally. Mm. Um, and ultimately the trend will be, be lower as global growth slows down. Mm. I have with me here this morning, Shane Oliver, Head of Investment Strategy and Chief Economist of AMP Capital. Thank you so much for your time, Shane. You know, it was lovely speaking with you and we chat again soon. Thanks, Wally. All the best for the, uh, the Christmas break. Yeah, you the too. Next, uh, the next few days. A Merry Christmas. Thank you. Before acting on the information on Money FM, please consider if it's suitable for your own investment objectives, financial situation and risk tolerance. To listen to more great interviews, download our podcasts at moneyfm893.sg or download our audio app. That's A-W-E-D-I-O. Available on Google Play or the App Store.